long time since I've picked up this mic and had a chat with you, and I'm so glad we're doing it now. It's the new year, and I know that's symbolically the time we all make our resolutions and talk about health, but I swear to you, this is not that. It's just a coincidence uh, that this episode is about health, and it's a really special episode to me because I get to introduce somebody from my corner of the world and my community to you, and I'll talk more about that in a second. But I would love to know through social media, through my email address at veganfamincowtown at gmail.com, how are you? I know there's been so much going on, and that's most of the reason I haven't picked up the mic in a few months, right? Um, Because we've all had a lot to do, and if you are a parent or guardian of a wee one who has not been in school or with their regular caretakers or people who help you out or babysitters, uh, you might be like me, where you've had the least amount of time in your entire life. Um, But if that's the worst that goes on during this pandemic, I guess that's not so bad, right? So hello, so good to be back. It's 2021. This is the first episode of the new year, and it is health-related, but most of it was recorded in just the last few days of 2020. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine I met in the community. His name is Marty Malloy McCoy, and he has a lot of cool letters after his name, and you're going to find out more about that, but one of them is NP, nurse practitioner. He's also got a master's degree in nursing, among many other credentials, and he's doing something awesome here in Ohio, which is opening his new center for health, and I couldn't be more excited about it for a few reasons, Um, but it's called the Plant-Based NP Lifestyle Care Center, and you can find it on Facebook or his website, which we'll talk about in the interview, and it's a place where people like me who are already plant-based can go to discuss you know, some some conditions or some issues, and it's a place where people who are not plant-based can go and get some good advice, and it's super accessible because Marty is very in tune with his community and very concerned um, that people get served and that people get good health information, and I'm really psyched about it, so I want you to get psyched about it. The first half of our interview is talking about his center and how it's going to work and what inspired him to do this sort of thing. And maybe you'll recognize yourself in some of that, you know, how you get inspired and what about plant-based nutrition keeps you kicking. And we'll explain too that he's a vegan. He talks about plant-based nutrition because that's more of the lingo you use in the medical community, but he's a vegan. And um, the second half of our interview is where the general all-encompassing nutrition information happens. It's where he gives us what he knows about health and exercise and um, some of my, I'm going to give you some quotes that are my favorite from this section because they touch an issue that's really close to home for me. You're going to hear me talk about how I gained 20 pounds. I call it my COVID-19 because maybe one day it's only 19. (laughs) Okay. And you'll hear me be a little judgmental toward myself about some of the things I'm eating and some of the things my family is eating. And just to have Marty's response be so gracious and so non-judgmental has really inspired me to food prep (laughs) and be healthier um, this week. 
but I've been looking into some resources and I'm just not going to be weight focused or weight conscious at all. And Marty was supportive of that, saying, quote, I'm not concerned about your weight. That's a good one. He's more concerned about health and you'll get to hear him say why. Another quote that I love is, we have to love the awesome bodies we're given. And that's another thing Marty says during this. I think that's a great resolution for 2021 is to learn to love our bodies. Not because we're changing them, but to just love them. Okay, well, I, I want you to tune in here to Marty Malloy McCoy from wherever you are. Know that this is an Ohio-based center that he's opening, but you can get his nutrition wisdom on this podcast, on his website, and he can do certain services no matter where you are. So this is just good info all the way around. So check it out, and I'll be back with you at the end. Hi, Marty Malloy McCoy. We're so happy to have you. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. You have an exciting uh, new adventure coming up with your plant-based NP Lifestyle Care Center, which we're very excited about in Columbus, although everybody can be excited about it, too, because... You can access it even if you're not in Columbus, but we are. And, you know, someday I would get to see you in person there, right? Like hopefully next year. And, um, so, Marty, I would love for people to hear more about what you're doing as a nurse practitioner who's created this. Is it a vegan? Can we safely say a vegan plant-based um, NP lifestyle care center? Or do you just prefer plant-based? Um, either one. I am vegan and plant-based. I know that um, there are definitely some uh, overlaps between the two, but they're not the same thing. I think that they complement each other really well. Uh, I got into it for health reasons initially, and I found that I became a lot more concerned about the ethical and environmental aspects of veganism as I progressed along my journey. And I think that some people start a vegan diet for ethics and then have a great opportunity to learn about how it can positively affect their health as well. Absolutely. And you and I met at a, at a vegan event. Um, and I'm, I definitely want to get into your credentials here in a minute. And I'm going to let you explain all those cool letters after your name <laughs> that talk about all the amazing things you know and how much school you've been through, um, which is so much more than I've been through. But I want to talk first about how we met, because we met at a Columbus Veg community event. I think they've changed their name to Caring Veg mm -hmm. since. And we were at a really cool event. I was interviewing some people and sticking a microphone in people's faces. But what happened is I had my son with me, who at the time was probably seven. And you hit it off with my son. Um, I don't know if you remember this as specifically. Oh, like, I do. Yeah, I had a really fun time hanging out with you guys. Yeah, he um, he still remembers this conversation with you because he knew that you had some authority in the health arena. And you told <laughs> him that his eating of black beans was going to make him strong and live longer. So he has fashioned himself to be a superhero since that conversation. <laughs> um, and, you know, it let me know right away that you're you're really good with kids. And I was really excited to see that your lifestyle center is going to have a plan to work with kids. Um, and I think that's going to be a really amazing thing for families. So, and, and we'll get into these details and we'll talk about it, but I just remember how much fun my son had talking to you and how it stuck with him for a while because we were trying to get into your brain to see what my 
picky, picky son who's vegan, <laughs> what he'll eat. And you really picked out the positive thing that he was doing and made him feel great about it. So I really appreciate that. Oh, no problem. I mean, it really is caring for the whole family, right? It's not a sustainable thing for, you know, one person to be on board and then other people to kind of be um, hesitant or something like true health in your family happens when everyone is on board, I think. Yes, yes. And let's talk about how to get there. So let's hear a bit about you and your journey and all those awesome letters behind your name. <laughs> yeah, I do have quite an alphabet soup behind my name. Uh, I guess the first one would be MSN, which stands for a Master's of Science in Nursing, because I have a master's degree. Um, the next one would be APRN, which is Advanced Practice Registered Nurse, which is a designation by the state of Ohio that I have the ability to do advanced practice nursing. Um, CNP means Certified Nurse Practitioner, which is another Ohio license. Um, CRNA, which is a little bit different than what I'm actually doing with my new business, is Certified Registered Nurse Anesthetist. I actually am board certified to do anesthesia as well, and that was my initial certification, and I just went back to school to become a nurse practitioner. And then FNP-C stands for certified family nurse practitioner because I care for the whole family. A fun way to put it is womb to tomb. So uh, <laughs> pregnant women all the way up until you're 103 years old. Wow, maybe, what, what about 110? I would do 110 too. And maybe okay. you'll get, you you know, really focus on the healthy lifestyle stuff. <laughs> right, no, I, you know, I, I heard that people like my kids in their generation, they might be experiencing um, people living way longer. And that depends on a lot of circumstances and a lot of background issues, but that would be some really interesting, um, some new, some news, you know, for the next generation. If they pick up some of the right habits, they might get pretty far. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a sidebar, but a lot of the ideals that I practice with come from T. Colin Campbell from Forks Over Knives, where he was studying these blue areas in the world where people were consistently becoming centenarians or living to be over 100 years old. And that's how he kind of came up with his ideas. And oddly enough, um, he came from a family of dairy farmers and went to China to try to prove that milk was awesome and that it could be distributed to people around the world who didn't have easy access to it and improve their health. And he found quite the opposite, but he is a great scientist and was able to put aside his own, you know, feelings and values and be able to look at the raw data and be like, oh, wow, I've been wrong my entire life and kind of uh, cast that aside. And um, <laughs> probably much to the dismay of his uh, family who were all dairy farmers. Yeah, I've heard that story a few times, um, you know, cattle rancher turned vegan. and But I think um, this doctor, didn't he open a wing in the Cleveland Clinic? Oh, so I guess Four Silver Knives focuses on two people. T. Colin Campbell, I don't think that he's a medical doctor. I think he's more in the research realm. And then Caldwell Esselstyn is ah, the um, physician who is at Cleveland Clinic and does a lot of great work. Okay, so we've got stuff going on in Ohio, and you're going to be the yeah. latest thing. So <laughs> do you mind if we use me as a patient, which is probably not far off? So I am somebody who has had a rough 12 months, 
I have, you know, just quite frankly, put on 20 pounds. And I'm someone who doesn't like to make New Year's resolutions, but this upcoming one is a little different because, you know, the holidays are over and we're looking at the lifting of quarantine, we hope, with vaccine and, and things like that. So I am, despite not being one to make New Year's resolutions, finding myself thinking that this is a good time to start making some changes and to start kind of lifting the veil um, of 2020. You know, that cliche thing we all say about this year because it's been really rough on a lot of people. So if I'm looking to start with um, you and your business, you know, what would that look like? Oh, thank you. Uh, so I guess to kind of start off, I'll tell you what services that plant-based NP Lifestyle Care Center has to offer. So we do provide lifestyle care, uh, which is providing lifestyle medicine. Um, there are actually uh, several things that are involved with that. One of them is a plant-based diet. Uh, you know, Hippocrates once said, let food be thy medicine and let medicine be thy food. And I think that uh, that's really a huge part of this. Probably around 85% of all chronic medical issues are a direct result of lifestyle choices, you know, what you put into your body, what you do, the things that you're around, your environment. And really only, you know, 10 to 15% aren't within your control, which is actually a really awesome way to look at things. Another tenet is physical activity, healthy sleep habits. That was when I was learning about that was a huge um, shock to me actually about how important sleep health is in your overall and long-term health. Stress management and emotional wellness, avoiding risky substances like avoiding alcohol um, in excess and smoking, and connection and relationships also have a huge impact on your health. I mean, studies have shown that isolation is associated with increased mortality, so dying from anything. And I think that in 2020, we've all been a little isolated. Yeah, so what are you saying to people right now about that last one? How do we forge this connection or, or get that benefit when we're really separated? Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one. That's going to be probably one that we'll really have to focus on once the pandemic is over. But even now, it's just nice to hear your voice and connect in this way and spend a little bit of time talking with you on this podcast. And it's kind of recharging my soul a little bit than just sitting on the couch watching TV. Likewise. Also, this is really great for me because I did get sucked into the 2020 black hole a little bit. And I just love getting back on the podcast. Uh, you know, I, I, I took a little break there unintentionally and getting to see you again and thinking about you, you know, talking to my son and thinking about how I can be healthier and getting direction and advice and um, all of that's just really energizing to me right now. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, another thing, one of the main focuses is definitely plant-based nutrition or vegan nutrition, whichever way that you put it. I list it as plant-based just because that's what the American College of Lifestyle Medicine really calls it. Um, but I think that vegan nutrition is great too, because it kind of feeds your soul to know that nothing is being hurt for you to live and thrive. 
Um, culinary care is something that I do also. It's all well and good to know why you should eat a plant-based diet or why you should eat more whole grains instead of refined grains. But even with all that information, it doesn't mean that you can implement it. And so culinary care is really um, helping people learn how to introduce that into their life, maybe going to the grocery store together and taking a look at the different ingredients, eventually having live cooking sessions and learning how to make a really delicious, healthy meal. But for now, maybe both of us buy the same ingredients and cook in the kitchen together over video chat and uh, then eat it together would be a kind of fun thing and help with the social connectedness. For health sure. Wellness coaching, um, which is just like education and support and encouragement to stay on track uh, during your journey to health. Um, checkups for vegan, vegetarian, and plant-based patients. So some people really love their healthcare provider, but feel like they don't really understand the unique considerations of their diet and want to just consult with somebody um, every once in a while to make sure that they're on track and monitoring the things that they need to monitor. So you can continue to see who you're seeing and then just come to me once a year, or once every two or three years, just to make sure that everything's going well. And then uh, even using a plant-based diet to improve athletic performance, I think that a lot of people have seen the game changers and really have seen a lot of athletes and teams start to eat more plant-based and do way better. Yeah, that's a good documentary to watch. And it's oh, for sure. Um, so if I know you have member and non-member, so let's say I sign up as a member, which actually I plan on doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I sign up as a member and what does that give me access to? So I went through a lot of different thoughts initially about how I was going to do that. Something that is incredibly important to me, making sure that this is one. I set my prices to be like for a membership about what you would cost maybe for one specialist thing. So insurance is very complicated, but a lot of programs um, and policies actually make you pay like somewhere between $25, $35, $50 to see a specialist. And that's just copay and it doesn't count towards your deductible. It doesn't count toward anything. It's just something that you have to pay and you never see that money and it doesn't count for anything, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I set my membership at $50 because I thought, you know, like if you came to see a specialist once a month, it may be about that. But even that, I, I want to make sure that people who are lower socioeconomic, that I work with them, maybe have a sliding scale to make it more affordable, or even people who can't pay, work with them in some way to give them the education. Because I come from a really poor, small, uh, disease-ridden area. And I just think about, like, say, diabetes. So many of my family members and friends from back home have diabetes. And it's really can be reversed easily with a whole food plant-based diet and um, lifestyle care. And the thought to me is not everybody is willing to change their lifestyle in order to prevent diabetes. But there are so many people out there who uh, have just resigned themselves to be treating diabetes for the rest of their life, adding more and more medications who absolutely would jump at the chance to do something to reverse it and never have to worry about it again. And I want to help those people regardless of how much money they make or not. I think that it's something that everyone deserves. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. And do you think your, your background in that community inspired you to do the work you're doing now? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I, I'll say I haven't been very effective at getting any of my family members uh, to adopt the type of eating that I do and the type of lifestyle that I do. Uh, but I continue to keep on working on it. And I hope that, you know, all of my loved ones in my world eventually start see the light and come over to it so we can live long, happy, healthy lives together. Yeah, I know that my I've had various family members go in and out of veganism, and I don't know that they were having a health motive as much as a, one of the ethical motives. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, what the what the difference is for people, you know, different things motivate different people. But, you know, yeah, keep the faith alive. I guess some people take a while and get there. Some people never get there. And some people kind of fade in and out, which I think is all all positive, you know, if there's any attempts there to change. Yeah. And in the end, I really truly believe that any step that you take towards your health, like maybe you're just doing meatless Mondays and maybe not even every Monday, just one Monday a month, that improves your health and makes a difference in the long term. Maybe not something that you see today or the next day, um, but every single little step that you do has a long lasting effect on your life. Boy, that's good to hear because it can be really hard to take those things. (laughs) Yeah, and in 2020, right, like, I don't think many of us really did everything that we wanted to do, exercise as much, eat as healthy as we wanted. But if we start, when we start taking those small steps again, you know, we bounce right back to being healthy and happy. That's good to hear. I know that, so if I'm your patient and I'm walking through the door, I'm going to say the pandemic is the least amount of time I have ever had. (laughs) <laughs> you know, people with mm-hmm. kids, I think, are just, it's a whole different ball game. You know, there wasn't the hobby pickup that some people did, or, you know, people heard about all this new exercise sometimes, new hobby, mm-hmm. and parents almost certainly aren't included in that. So I would probably present by saying how little time I have. Mm-hmm. And so do you do like an initial session to kind of get to know somebody's profile or how does it start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit and explain a little bit about the membership versus non-membership, if you don't mind. Yeah, great. Um, so when I was doing some research, I initially was going to take insurance and I was going to take everybody's insurance and make it to where hopefully people didn't have to pay anything out of pocket. I was just accepting money from the insurance company, regardless of how much they paid, right? Like I would never send you a bill. I was just going to accept whatever your insurance paid me. And, you know, that was that. Mm-hmm. And when I got into the incredibly difficult way that the laws um, happened, like it's all well and good if you have really good insurance and no deductible that you have to meet and it's just awesome. But I don't think that most people do. In the end, what would have happened would be a lot of people have high deductible plans. And after they met, you know, sometimes thousands of dollars that they've paid out of pocket, then their insurance would pay depending on your plan. And that wasn't sustainable to me. I can't, uh, I have to set my prices, right? And tell my insurance company, hey, you pay me this much. And then they decide how much they're actually gonna pay me for the amount that I ask for. And then I am responsible to charge the patients all of the money that the insurance company would have paid, even though they're not paying until they, pay thousands of dollars out of pocket, uh, the patient does. And I could go to jail or lose my license if I refused to 
charge my patients the amount of money that the insurance isn't paying for, if that makes sense. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And I was just like, I'm not going to be able to help anyone that way. Maybe people with really good insurance, but you know, like I said, I want to make this accessible to everyone. And certainly the minority of people have excellent insurance. So when I was doing a little bit of research, I came across direct primary care which is uh, where you pay some, it's kind of like a membership, like a Netflix for your health. You pay someone a flat rate. For me, for an adult, it's $50 per month or for a child, $25 per month. And then at that point, all of your care is included. Um, If you need to see me four days a week because you're just starting out and you you wanna get a little bit of support and make sure that everything is going well. We can see each other every single week or maybe later on as you graduate, you only want to see me once a month so that you uh, can check in and make sure everything is going well. And then later on, maybe next month you don't need to see me. Uh, You still do pay your membership. And then the next month you need to see me twice. All of those are included in just the $50 membership. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, I want to let you know too that I, my dealings with insurance make it a relief that you don't want to deal with them because um, I'm actually for the first time in my adult life or maybe my entire life, probably I will be uninsured in 2021. Oh my. Um, Yeah. I, there's a few of us out there and I know particularly in the vegan community too, where we don't qualify for Medicaid. Mm -hmm. We make too much to get any kind of subsidy for, for the exchanges. And Mm -hmm. My job, I'm like a 25, 29 hour a week employee, and they don't offer insurance for that. <laughs> and yeah, and then, sometimes they keep you just below that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, on purpose. And then my husband's business, um, and a lot of places do this, they have a spousal disincentive mm-hmm. where they, they hike it to double the premium if you try to put the spouse on. So my husband and the kids are on his insurance. Mm-hmm. And I will be uninsured because I took a part-time job that put me too high to get a subsidy and we can't put me on my husband's insurance. So, for example, I might be a prime candidate for somebody to come to you because I can still get some care, especially the preventative care, mm-hmm. while I'm uninsured. Yeah, so I'll say our specialty is lifestyle care right so uh, anything that you would need any of the services that i already talked about but i am a nurse practitioner you know who was trained just the way the other nurse practitioners were and if there are like common health issues that you have like say you came into me and it was very obvious through my diagnostics that you had a sinusitis and needed antibiotics i can prescribe you antibiotics for sure um (laughs) i do think that like the best way to look at things is that if possible, I would love for people to continue to see their primary care provider and, uh, you know, get that a lot of care from them. But we do have a lot of overlap in our Venn diagram, you know, of things that I do and your primary care provider might. But because of the specialty and the way that I look at it, I don't have everything that I need to address every single issue, if that makes sense. Right. And yeah, I wouldn't think, like, I definitely wouldn't think of treating it as like, hey, I have a sore throat, do a strep test. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> More like a, um, hey, like, you know, my stomach's been bothering me for like years. Mm-hmm. You know, and that would be something I think would be a lot more productive to bring to you in your center than mm-hmm. to my primary care, um, who I still may see, I'll just be paying some more out of pocket. 
if somebody, you know, if somebody can get preventative care or if you have something that seems lifestyle related or created, right? Mm -hmm. um, this would be a place to get more than your 10 minutes that your primary care gives you. Oh yeah, I can say um, <laughs> that's actually a really good transition into something that's um, really unique about mine. I can see you as long as I need. I really anticipate that my first appointment with somebody is going to be two hours. And I know that that sounds like a lot of time to, you know, spend talking with a healthcare provider, probably because it's really hard to even get 15 minutes with um, your healthcare provider. It's not your healthcare provider's fault. It's just there's a lot of production pressure to see more and more patients for less and less time because of how complicated insurance is. Uh, I'm sure your healthcare provider would really love to spend that amount of time with you, but they can't. And that time is where, you know, real lifestyle changes instead of just band-aids are on your health are implemented. And, you know, you may already actually be spending two hours at your um, uh, appointment, but you're in the waiting room for a lot of that. Uh, mm -hmm. Versus with me, it would be just two hours of face-to-face -face or virtual face-to-face -face time. That's great. And if you're not a member, what does it look like? Uh, if you're not a member, you can still see me uh, for uh, non-member pricing. It's just a dollar per minute that we spend together um, during face-to-face -face during our, inter uh, our appointment. I think if you need to see me more frequently, that the membership is definitely more cost-effective. But if you just needed to see me once a year just to make sure that everything is going well or when problems rise up and you think that it has to do with your lifestyle choices and your diet versus, you know, really acute stuff going on, then that would be a really great opportunity to use. Okay. See, this is, this is really good to know. And your website is super helpful. Do you want to tell people what your website is? I'll put it in the show notes too. Oh yeah. It's www.plantbasednp, like NP, like nurse practitioner.com. Okay. And that way, if people are listening and they want to you know, start checking it out, they can. And again, I'll put it in my show notes and we'll probably say it again at the end, too. It really sounds reasonable what you're doing, you know, even beyond reasonable. And I know just from watching um, you and your husband at the event where I met you that you're dedicated to the community. And I think that seems to be what you have at heart here. Is, is that right? Yeah, um, I do hope to make a little bit of money from this, but I'm fully prepared to just break even and cover the cost of my malpractice and stuff like that. I'm really doing this to um, feed my soul, if that makes sense, more than my wallet. But I think you're going to be successful because you are connected to the community and you're hearing what people want and what people need and responding to that. And I know that that's why I'm excited that this exists. And I think it's really going to be great to see um, people find out about what you're doing and to, and to see the outcomes. And, um, you know, I think the idea will have a lot of purposes for you and your soul and your wallet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here's the hoping. Another cool thing is I don't have it updated on my website just yet because I'm really waiting to hear back about the specific prices. I'm still negotiating a little bit. But I'll uh, have laboratory testing, uh, ordering capabilities that also work outside of insurance. So 
say a CBC, which is a complete blood count that measures your red blood cells, your white blood cells, and your platelets. It's a very common uh, test that a lot of people get. Um, if you go to your primary care provider and uh, they order it and you use your insurance to go to a lab and then get that drawn, it probably costs about $55. The real question is how much of that $55 do you as the patient pay? Well, you have no idea. Your provider who ordered the test has no idea. And if you call the insurance company and ask them, they actually won't tell you or can't tell you because the way that they decide how much each person pays is a proprietary um, calculation that they don't have to share with anybody. Oh, and so it's a really big question mark. Maybe you don't pay anything on that CBC or maybe you pay all $55 or maybe you paid $20 or 15 or 35. Like you really don't know until you get sent the bill. Yeah. And that happened to me recently. I'm just this okay. for myself. And it was, I think it ended up being more than $55 because almost everything was covered except for like two or three. Mm -hmm. uh, you know how they run a bunch of panels or tests or whatever off of one vial or two vials of blood. Mm -hmm. Well, most of them were covered, but apparently not, checking levels of a couple different things. And um, so it wasn't covered under anything. So it had to go to the deductible. And then yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people are having these experiences too, um, which is why I'm talking about mine to try to bring it out to the open. I think we can be perhaps hopeful about the direction of healthcare, but I think what you're providing gives us some, some options and some control and some ways to access, you know, especially preventative care. And like I said, you know, I, I threw out like, oh, my stomach has been hurting on and off for a few years. That's real. And I mm -hmm. feel like that's something that I could bring to your center and get time and attention for in a way that I might get 10 minutes and some, um, I don't know, antacid or what are they called? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a prescription because the doctor, the well-meaning physician does want to help me and doesn't have much time and follow up to just keep going over and over. So, you know, I'd probably end up walking out with a prescription and I think what you offer is different. Yeah, so that same like CBC test would only cost $4 if you got it through my um, clinic, probably. Uh, like I said, I'm still negotiating, but I'd say around $354. And you know, that's how much you're gonna pay. There's no surprise bills. It's all up front. Now, if you still want me to order it through your insurance, I'm happy to if you're confident that it's going to be $4 or less. Like, I'm I'm here for it. But <laughs> I think that a lot of people just really don't know how much it's going to cost, and it may end up being more cost-effective to just pay for it out of pocket at $4 versus question mark dollars. There's a lot of things that can be happening with that stomach pain. Um, you have a lot of organs that can be uh acting up <laughs> and causing that discomfort i think the first thing we would really try is like look at what you're eating because that definitely has a huge impact on how your stomach feels another really interesting thing about uh that we don't really think about the connection is your emotions and your mental well-being and your gut are extremely closely related oh and i'll tell you that it's 99 percent at least 99% um, an emotional connection because I can get away with a lot more <laughs> with my stomach and eating than I can when I'm, when I'm feeling like mentally healthy and really strong. But in a year like 2020, 
it hasn't, I haven't felt as strong emotionally and mentally. And it does seem to like first attack my gut. For some people it's migraines. Um, for others, it's tense shoulders, you know, that sort of thing. So a lifestyle approach really appeals to me, um, you know, where we try things and see how it works and then change it up and try something different. You know, that sort of thing is, is what I would be looking for at least. Yeah, absolutely. And the amazing thing is your stomach problem could be caused by something that doesn't have to do with lifestyle or, you know, with diet or with emotional and mental well-being and stuff. But there's a high likelihood that it is because 85% of chronic issues have to do with lifestyle versus something that's acutely going on. And even more than that, if you improve your diet and your mental health, and you're eating, then it's going to improve all the other aspects of your life, even if it doesn't necessarily help with your um, abdominal pain. And at that point, we would know like, hey, you should probably go to a specialist and, you know, get this figured out. But the number one thing really for all health issues, like say you have high blood pressure, the reason that it's called lifestyle medicine or lifestyle care is that you focus on the lifestyle things. So if you did have high blood pressure and you went to your primary care provider, the number one thing in all of the um, literature is teaching them about like healthy eating and exercising and drinking lots of water and, you know, being calm, all of those things. But your provider doesn't really have enough time to go through all of that. And it's a lot easier for them to just write you a prescription for blood pressure medication instead. Right. And it is addressing your need and um, it's it's nice of them to do. It's just a difference in approach. But it's really treating the symptom and not the cause, right? Like blood pressure being elevated isn't, you know, in and of itself, like giving you blood pressure medication makes it better. But like what's causing the blood pressure being elevated in the first place? If you never address that root cause, then you're most likely be on blood pressure medication for your entire life. Right. That's a right. scary prospect to me. Like, I don't want to take, you know, blood pressure medication for the rest of my life versus making a few changes and doing different things to not need it. Yeah. And I I wonder how, how this translates to a family approach. A lot of people think if you just go vegan and not even um, whole foods, plant-based diet, but a lot of people think, well, if you're vegan and you have a vegan family, you're automatically healthy. I really don't think that's true at all uh, from personal experience and just looking around that there are lots of ways to be vegan. So, you know, how do you approach families or individuals about the whole foods piece? Yeah. Uh, so I think that when you go vegan, there are a lot awesome things that already happen. Number one, you're not consuming dietary cholesterol anymore, which does increase your cholesterol in your body. Uh, and, you know, there are plant cholesterols, but it's not the same thing um, as animal cholesterols because those animal cholesterols literally go into your animal body and circulate around and make your cholesterol higher. Another thing is that generally vegan diets are lower in saturated fat. And to know if something is saturated fat, I guess the best way is it is solid at room temperature. So, you know, like bacon grease, 
uh, even coconut oil, are very high in saturated fat. And saturated fat is implicated in a lot of health issues and heart issues. So I do think that, and in general, the idea is that when you adopt a vegan diet, you're eating more plant-based things, more fruits, more vegetables. Sometimes that's not exactly what happens because there have been so many awesome vegan foods released that taste incredibly similar to like, say a hamburger, like with Beyond Meat or mm -hmm. Impossible Burgers. And I enjoy an Impossible Burger every once in a while. Honestly, it's actually a little too realistic for me sometimes and it freaks me out a little bit. Me too. Um, myself, I think it, they might've gotten it wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but when you try to replicate something like that, like say a burger and one of the draws, I think of the impossible burger is it kind of like has that oiliness or like that fattiness that beef does. And they accomplish that by adding a lot of oil and saturated fat in the form of coconut oil. And it's still probably healthier for you than eating an actual meat burger. But we've added a lot of things to try to replicate what, meat tastes like and it's making it m more unhealthy than uh probably we realize yeah and i mean like i don't think that anybody should ever just you know give up all things that make them happy and that they like eating and stuff but um i think that like i said every little choice that you make to eat whole unprocessed plant foods versus processed foods is a really great step. Like French fries and Oreos are vegan, right? But just because you're eating vegan and you're eating French fries and Oreos doesn't mean that it's the healthiest choice that you can make. And I don't believe necessarily in good food or bad food. Think that it's all a spectrum, right? Like it's really about like healthier or less healthy if that makes sense like you're you can always find something that's healthier than what you're doing or something that's unhealthier than what you're doing and try to just push that needle of the average to be closer to the healthier than the unhealthier yeah that's good to hear i i think we've gotten into a really heavy pattern over in my house of the kids eating the nuggets or chick patties mm -hmm. you know from morningstar or boca and i'm like wow how did we get into a standard American diet veganized version? Mm -hmm. <laughs> when did that happen? And I think it's probably a, a convenience issue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kids, I'm in charge of their health at the moment. And they've subscribed totally to being vegan and they love it. But um, they haven't subscribed to eating vegetables. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Like, I guess it's good to hear that I'm not ruining my kids with these chick patties and and nuggets, but it would be good to balance it out, it sounds like. Yeah, um, I don't think you have to get rid of the chicken nuggets per se, or, or you know, vegan chicken style nuggets. Right. Uh, I know personally, I have a nephew that is so picky. He eats a few things that include pizza, chicken nuggets, fruit, and bacon. And those are like his four main food groups for sure. And one time he was hanging out with me and I made um, tofu nuggets. So it's um, uh, it was just tofu covered with spices and air fried or baked. And he wanted to try one and was hesitant at first and absolutely loved it. 
And um, he begs me every time we hang out to make him tofu nuggets. And even now, like he'll ask his mom or dad to buy him tofu from the store and try to replicate it himself. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, tofu is a processed food too. That's, you know, the thing that I'm saying, nothing is like good or bad. It's just a continuum of things. Obviously whole soybeans like edamame is delicious and is probably like the healthiest option. And then there's tempeh, which is more like the whole soybean that's been fermented. And then you probably go down to tofu, um, which is like, uh, goes through a process. Basically it's soy milk cheese. It's made the same way that regular cheese is. You make the milk and heat it up to a certain temperature and then pour something acidic into it and it separates into curds, the solid portion and whey, the liquid portion. You press those um, curds together, the solid part, and then it turns into a tofu block. Right. And I guess that is a process. That is not... But, you know, it's healthy. Uh, so after tofu, there are a few steps down and then there's isolated soy protein, which is a lot of times what, you know, meat substitutes and what they put into meat as a filler, uh, like the chicken nuggets at McDonald's. I wouldn't say quote me 100%, but I'd be surpri surprised if some of those products didn't have isolated soy proteins in them. And I think that, you know, the problem with isolating soy proteins or Say you take a coca leaf and you go down to the microscopic level, then you get cocaine, which is not good for your health. And if you take uh, an apple and go down to the microscopic level and uh, just get one sugar molecule, the whole apple in nature's form surrounded by fiber and protein and fat and um, uh, just the way that it was made naturally is always going to be healthier than going down to that singular Thing. Same thing with, um, you know, protein powder or oil uh, going down from like taking it from a huge thing down to the microscopic level. Your body wasn't meant to process things in that way. Uh, and so an interesting thing about isolated soy protein is uh, one thing that meat does is it increases your insulin like growth factor one, uh, which actually is pro-cancerous. And if you eat a soybean, even though it has a high amount of protein and it's a soy-based protein, it does not increase your insulin-like growth factor one. But when you eat isolated soy protein, it does increase your insulin-like growth factor one. It's a motivating factor for me with my my family <laughs> and the um, the diet. It's just with this with the pandemic and parents going completely multi-purpose without having many babysitting options. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's been really challenging to get dinner on the table at all. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, I'm, we've been leaning very heavily on the convenience foods. So, you know, that sounds like a whole episode of, of how to manage pandemic parenting <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> all the time. And, and there's no help to be brought in often. Um, and you know, you've got to, you got to feed them too. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And that's why it's a really careful, tight rope walk. You know, I don't think that anybody should be shamed for using convenience foods when they need to use convenience foods, right? Like you're giving your child sustenance and it's already not, um, meat and not into healthier in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, and really just, 
switching things around a little bit to where uh, you're balancing it a little bit and finding fun ways to incorporate different fruits and vegetables and whole grains into uh, what you're already doing will 100% help out in small ways. And do you mind if we talk about how you would work with kids for a little bit? Because I see all over Facebook forums for vegan parents mm -hmm. that they're looking for themselves and for their kids. You know, I see people like, oh, we're looking for a doctor and somebody who understands veganism. But what I'm hearing is somebody can have their doctor and somebody who understands veganism if they come to your center too. So mm -hmm. what would it look like if somebody showed up with their five-year-old or 10-year-old or 15-year-old? <laughs> yeah, um, that's a really great question. I love working with kids. And, you know, the cool thing about kids is they really know what they like, but also at the same time have no idea what they like. I remember being a kid and so many things that I just knew that I didn't like. I'd never tried them. I just knew that like I wouldn't like them. And now I'm finding that I absolutely love them. One funny story is in the second grade in Mrs. Poe's class, we took lima beans and put them in a clear plastic cup with like the brown uh, you know, elementary school paper towels and like wet it and watched the lima beans grow. And it smelled awful. You know, now looking back, it was because, you know, it's just wet beans and like probably a little bit of mold growing on the thing. And I was like, I'm never eating a lima bean. And then later on in life, my husband made something that had lima beans in them and I didn't know. And I ate it and I was like, oh, the potatoes in the, that soup are great. And he's like, what potatoes? And I was like, you know, like the white, like creamy, fluffy things. And he's like, those are lima beans. And I was like, what? You know what I mean? I love lima beans and I've, you know, never tried them my entire life because I just knew I'd hate them. And now it turns out I really wish that <laughs> I'd been eating them much longer. So they have really strong opinions about food. Uh, and there are several ways to get them involved in actually the food process. So... One of the number one things that you can do to get it more likely that your kid will eat what you make rather than turn their nose up at it is to involve them in the process. So if they are helping you chop up the vegetables, helping you stir the thing, if it's colorful and awesome and it's a fun experience in general and they put motivation and their hard work into it, they're gonna wanna actually try that food. That's true. Yeah, I, I know it's quicker for parents to just whip something up and do it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think we would benefit from slowing that down a bit. And I know I would. And I know one of my friends found like kid-friendly knives. Mm -hmm. uh, I got those and, you know, they were cutting up strawberries and, and helping out in the kitchen. And I think, you know, if, if we can all just slow it down enough to get that involvement, I think you're right. That is a huge key to getting them to try it. And then sometimes just building on off what you already know, like your son loves black beans, right? Um, and the thing is, black beans are awesome. And you can eat as much, as many black beans as you possibly can and end up healthier at the end of the day. No, I was going to say, that's exactly what you said to him. And now he thinks he's a superhero. <laughs> yeah. So a few cool things about black beans and, you know, I have a lot of really interesting information about a lot of different things, but just using your specific example and maybe that you'll remember what I already told him is, you know, number one, we talked about the blue zones earlier, uh, you know, the people who are most likely to be centenarians. 
And the number one food that links people and uh, increases the risk, or I'm sorry, not the risk, the chance that they will live to be 100 are actually beans. Excellent. I know. Uh, so another cool thing, like say you have diabetes, when you eat beans for dinner, it helps your insulin sensitivity. So, you know, your body can utilize the insulin better, but it doesn't even just stop there. When you eat breakfast the next morning, your insulin sensitivity is still better. It's called the second meal effect. And something awesome about uh, beans is, uh, black beans in, uh, in particular, is the thing that makes them black is anthocyanins, which is the same thing that make your blueberries blue. And they are incredibly healthy and awesome for you. Does that bean effect, is it still in effect, I guess, when you take away the whole bean and do something like hummus? Um, so same thing with, you know, like there's no good or bad, but if you take a bean and put it into a blender, you know, that's minimal processed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I would say absolutely that it would probably still help out with your insulin sensitivity the next day. Okay. But my, my poor brain goes straight to sugar and chocolate. I'm like, you know what? I wonder if I could get that benefit doing the black bean brownies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, any, it's all about, you know, pointing that needle more towards the more healthy. I think that blending spinach and greens into brownies is super duper easy and you will never taste it. And they're already like a dark color. So you would never know that there was spinach blended up into it. Because either way, if your kid is going to eat a brownie, you know, there are... <laughs> you know, if you blend black beans or greens or anything into it, it's going to, you know, increase the amount of fiber and the amount of awesome things that are in beans and greens into their diet. Okay. So if I send my five-year-old to you mm -hmm. and just basically wanted you guys, like he doesn't have any issues, but mm -hmm. wanted to kind of increase his excitement about foods and um, maybe variety and just maybe so he could learn about nutrition, uh, what would you guys do? I would definitely talk with him first and find out what he likes to eat. So, you know, I'll talk with you. What does he like? He loves black beans. Anything else? Well, this is my five-year-old. So he mm -hmm. loves black beans. Um, but some of his favorites are apples and peanut butter, applesauce, almond butter. <laughs> he loves almond butter. And, yeah, th those are the pumpkin. He'll eat pumpkin straight out of can. That's it. My older one eats black beans straight out of the can, but this one, you know, little one eats pumpkin. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I love that diet. If more people ate the way that your son ate, even though you feel like he's picky and you're like worried about the um, variety of foods that he's eating. <laughs> I mean, if, if more adults and more kids ate that way, it just in general, they would be a lot healthier. Okay, so he's on the right track. He's doing all right. Yeah, I think so. Um, one of the first things that I tell people, you know, whether they're an adult or a child who come to me is you really want to eat the rainbow. So when you talk about color and in foods and all of the different chemicals and uh, nutrients, there are things called phytochemicals. And that is a fancy way of saying we have no idea what they are, but they're probably important. So when you eat an apple and eat that red skin, um, uh, 
because the healthiest part of an apple is always going to be the skin. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of kids don't like that. There, we already know that there are, you know, different compounds in it. And then there are phytonutrients, which means there are lots of important things in there and we don't even have a name for them yet. And so it, the best way to get all the things that you need and everything that uh, you don't even realize that you need is to eat a wide variety of food. So red apples and orangish yellow pumpkin and I would consider black beans to be more of like the purple blue color of the spectrum just because they have the cyanins, the same things uh, that are in there. And then peanuts are, you know, the peanut butter and almonds, like peanuts are actually legumes. Uh, so they're beans just like right. yeah. uh, black beans are. And then, uh, you know, especially like raw nuts that haven't been like roasted um, in oil are like really really helpful and help out with your heart health and just your overall health so you're hitting a lot of those like colors it sounds like maybe green is a little bit of an issue sure is yeah um so you know we could always throw in some green apples um we could find a really um cool way to make a chocolate shake so blending up um a frozen banana with cocoa powder and maybe a little bit of peanut butter or almond butter and uh, a handful of spinach and maybe some like raisins or dates would make a delicious chocolate milkshake and uh, you wouldn't even realize that you're eating all those greens and it's super duper healthy and now i'm hungry I know. And actually, the way that I make a lot of my mac and cheese is um, with whole grain pasta. And then I take a can of pumpkin puree and blend it with almond or soy milk, nutritional yeast, onion powder, garlic powder, chili powder, apple cider vinegar. And it makes a really delicious um, kind of cheese sauce. So, you know, that's probably a, a really super healthy way to eat mac and cheese that your kid probably already loves. Yeah, that's excellent. Just to go up the spectrum a little bit, how would you, if a teenager comes in because they're having maybe some sleep issues and maybe some headaches, what would you do with a teen? Uh, teens are really opinionated and already know what they like and what they don't like. Uh, but they also are really hungry all the time. <laughs> and so will eat what's around. Uh, so I definitely change the environment a little bit um, and make sure that you have more healthy things on hand so that whenever they're just rummaging through the uh, the fridge or the pantry that the things that are most accessible to them to grab and munch on easily are the things that you want them to eat. I said you really just peg teenagers. Yeah, right. And then same thing working with them because they're very opinionated, um, you know, like finding out what do you actually like to eat and building from there. Because like, you know, applesauce is delicious. You know, like I said, your, you know, kids thing is uh, like actually super healthy. Well, I mean, what did your teen, did you say you have a teenager? I, I, um, I have nieces and nephews and we recently had um, some, a teen and a tween living with us for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, they were here in just a, for about three months and boy, it's just the, the rummaging through what you have and they'll settle on whatever it is, even if they want something different. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you put out, they'll just end up with. 
Yeah. So, I mean, oh, I can use my nephew as an example. Well, number one, we already found out that he loves tofu nuggets, um, which are an improvement over the chicken nuggets that he's eating. As far as pizza goes, um, it's pretty easy to either find or make a whole grain um, pizza uh, crust, or even just taking a whole wheat tortilla and um, covering it with some tomato paste and uh, uh, you know, basil and spinach and mushrooms and onions and garlic and what banana peppers, whatever they like, uh, and throwing it in a toaster oven for a little bit and it gets it nice and crispy and, you know, pizza-y. Yeah, and now I'm just so hungry. I know, right? <laughs> and uh, I know I'm sorry, go ahead. I've kept you for a bit. I just want to make sure you have space to talk about anything with your new center or, or anything that you wanted to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I'll just say, I guess to kind of um, sum it up is I have the time to actually work with you and spend time with you and find out what makes you tick, what you like to eat and what you're willing to do. Like, it's all well and good for me to tell you, be like, or be like, okay, for your son, I want him to eat, you know, a handful of spinach and, you know, uh, onions and garlic, you know, all these things that he may not want to eat or find appealing. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what I tell you he should be eating and why he should be eating it if he's not going to eat it. And so sometimes whenever you go somewhere and they don't have a lot of time to spend with you for whatever reason, the best that they can give you is generic uh, recommendations about what they should be doing, not with what they actually will be doing. And working, you know, in small directions. So I'll check up with you in two weeks and, you know, kind of, you know, that's a cool thing. It, I'm formal with my patients, but it's also informal. Like if you just want to text me and be like, oh, he really liked this recipe. Do you have anything else that is like that? I'll be like, yeah, sure. Check out this link. Here you go. Uh, you know, like keeping up to date with each other. And, you know, if he didn't like something, trying something else and uh, working and making the small incremental changes until we're where we want to be. And would that be the same with fitness? You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, here's the thing about fitness. Sorry, I'm about to go off on a tangent, just so you know. Excellent. Uh, I love it. Actually, I'm going to go off on a tangent about a lot of things. Weight, is, and because you mentioned it, it's a huge concern of a lot of people <laughs> and you know people say want to lose weight all the time but they don't really know what that means or why it's more of a you know they know for instance that like they want to be skinnier or weigh less or something but you know i'm not really concerned about your weight at all you know i know you say you gained 20 pounds what yeah. i'm really concerned about is like are you eating a healthy diet and, you know, doing healthy things in your life? Because in the end, like muscle weighs more than fat and everybody's body is different. Like nobody is the same. And we have to like love the awesome body that we're given. I mean, it's literally the only thing, one of the only things we have in this world. Uh, and cast aside what, you know, society and different people tell you you should look like. And I mean, even BMI is very racially biased. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we come to know and love in the medical community were all only tested on white men who were medical students. 
And when you talk about like what a regular weight is for somebody, I don't think that, you know, white, young male medical students are the model and are actually just a very specific small subset of the population and that you can't extrapolate that to everyone in general. I want to say I'm really glad you said that because I, I know the reason I mentioned that I gained, I call it my COVID-19 to be generous, mm-hmm. you know, maybe one day when I step on the scale, it's only 19. <laughs> but um, it's just that I feel like I would want to be in a little bit different place with my weight because I know it's not that I gained muscle. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is really important to balance that or just totally go for body acceptance, too, because our health is so tied together and holistic that we need to accept ourselves and love ourselves. And I'm working on that quite a bit. Yeah. And so if you came to me and you were my patient, and, uh, you know, we worked with you on your diet and you adopted a whole food plant-based diet. So you're eating lots of fruits and vegetables and raw nuts and whole grains and greens and just beans and everything that you could do. And you never lost a pound. I wouldn't care. And I wouldn't tell you that you needed to lose weight. You know what I mean? Like that is such an arbitrary, silly thing for us to like focus on just that number. Like, how do you feel? Like, do you like feel like you have more energy? Do you have less aches and pains? Do you just feel ready to go out in the world? Or are you like feeling more energized and like mentally focused and happy? You know, like those are the things that are, should be our benchmarks instead of some arbitrary number. People say, well, all you have to do to like, you know, lose weight is, you know, eat healthy and exercise. Well, one, what does eat healthy mean? Um, you know, there are lots of different ways to eat and a lot of different things that people think are healthy. I mean, there are people out there who think that a carnivore diet, just eating meat is healthy and improves their health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like to look at the science and, you know, like one of the awesome things that Caldwell Esselstyn, the guy from the Cleveland Clinic that we talked about earlier is he showed in a paper and it's been the only scientifically documented reversal of heart disease, which is that like, you know, the buildup of plaque and the narrowing of your coronary arteries that supply your heart with blood uh, can actually be reversed with a whole food plant-based diet. So mentally processed plants, fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts, avoiding oil, avoiding animal products, and minimizing uh, processed foods actually reverses your heart disease. So there are a lot of other ways that you could lose weight, like cocaine makes you lose weight. And <laughs> Therapy makes you lose weight and not eating or drinking anything makes you lose weight, but they're not sustainable and weight and health are not tied together like that. I would much rather you weigh more and not be doing cocaine or, you know, taking chemotherapy agents just to weigh, you know, weigh less. So when we tell people, you know, like do this or like people are going on these medications and supplements and stuff to like, decrease the amount of weight that they wear or that they have on their body but it's like okay maybe you weigh less but like are you healthier are you happier do you feel better probably not in the long term and in general like diets don't work Um, the number one thing that you can do to sell a diet is make people lose water weight and i think people hear that a lot but they don't really know what it means so when you stop eating carbs you have these stores of energy in your body called glycogen 
and they're stored in your muscle. It's not muscle, it's not fat, it's just literally stored energy that your body can use at any time. And you can actually have about like three pounds of glycogen on your body of stored energy. And when you like say, don't eat carbs for a day, and then the next morning you weigh yourself and you weigh like two or three pounds less and you're like oh my god i didn't eat carbs and i lost three pounds overnight like carbs are bad but <laughs> that's not reality or what happened it's just biology you weigh three pounds less because you don't have the glycogen and even more than that um but fluid goes where glycogen does so when you don't have glycogen, you actually pee out more fluid and then lose weight in that way because you're slightly more dehydrated. And then, you know, the second day you actually weigh five pounds less and you're like, oh my God, I lost five pounds and I just stopped eating carbs. And now I'm eating, you know, like bacon and <laughs> pork chops and chicken all day and it's working perfectly. But it you didn't lose anything and it's unsustainable because your body like, was designed evolutionarily to run on high quality carbs. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm really going on a, a a long kind of tangent here. And we know through science that exercise is a terrible way to lose weight. And funnily enough, it's from studies that we do on people from The Biggest Loser. So, you know, they are just exercising all day and lose incredible amounts of weight but 99% of them gain back the amount of weight that they lost plus more after a year. So only 1% of people keep off the weight after a year. And then only 1% of that 1% actually keep the weight off um, long-term, like after like three to five years. And that's like not really a good thing. And so people feel like they failed themselves. Like they're doing these diets that you can't sustain long-term because like you're depriving yourself or, you know, they're exercising hours a day and then that's not sustainable. You can't just exercise hours per day for the rest of your life. And then they, uh, you know, gain weight back and then they feel like a failure. They're like, oh man, I was doing so well. And then I just slipped and, you know, it's my personal fault, but like, it's not your fault. You're, you're just not designed to not eat carbs and to exercise for hours per day versus the alternative would be eating a healthy, balanced diet that includes carbs. Um, and also, I really just write what I want you to do for exercise is exercise for 30 minutes a day. And it doesn't have to be like really um, uh, intense exercise and lifting heavy weights. It can be like taking a little walk around your park or, you know, like doing some push-ups, you know, something that is enjoyable and doesn't take up your whole day and lets you, you know, live and do other things. Because really the really important thing about um, exercise isn't that it helps you lose weight because it really doesn't do that effectively. It's that it improves the endothelial function of your cells that line your arteries and your heart and your um, veins and lets them dilate more and bring more blood flow to your heart and all of the tissues of your body. This has been great to hear your piece about exercise and just weight and everything else because I think if somebody's coming to you they want to know where you're coming from mm -hmm. and I think just hearing you talk about this lets everybody know where you're coming from that you're not a, a pound 
watcher, you know, or mm -hmm. a BMI, you know, somebody who's going to use that tool and maybe do the same harm that's been done in some doctor's offices. So I, I just think that that was all very, very important to establish your philosophy and your background and, and how you'll approach people and families. Because I would hate, as, as much as I would hate for me to get somebody who is harping on wait, 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 mm -hmm. I would hate it to happen to my kid. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah. throughout my life, before I became vegan and plant-based, um, I like struggled with weight, like I would do really well and exercise and eat well and then not and then like just back and forth and back and forth. And it's funny because my mom's side of the family are all super skinny, um, you know, no matter what they eat, like for instance, my grandpa. And then my dad's side of the family um, do put on weight whenever they um, uh, kind of eat healthy and don't do their um, exercising and tend to be mo a little more overweight. My entire life, I like wished, I was like, why couldn't have I gotten my mom's jeans instead of my dad's jeans? And then, you know, I'd be, you know, skinny and I could eat whatever I want. But, you know, like now that I understand things like my grandfather who is skinny and eats whatever he wants, he he's had multiple heart surgeries and, you know, issues with his heart and, you know, stuff like that. And that's what happens whenever we put so much credence on like weight and health and that skinny equals healthy and that fat equals unhealthy, you know, um, it, it's not equivalent. And, you know, just because he's skinny needs whatever you want. I'm, I'm so glad now that I didn't get those genes because maybe I wouldn't have made the choices that I had made and gone vegan. And like now, you know, I eat a whole food plant-based diet and I eat as much food as I want. And then I eat until I'm full and then I stop eating. And then if I want to eat more later, I eat my food and then I still stay, you know, healthy and happy. And I'm happy with like my body and how it looks and how I feel. And that's it. There's no counting calories or counting protein or, you know, like counting carbs or like all any of that ridiculous stuff like when you're eating things that are designed by nature apples and brown rice and you know broccoli and stuff like that like you can eat as much as you want because they're high nutritional density they have lots of you know great things in them and low caloric density so like try to eat 500 calories of broccoli, right? Like it'd be pretty hard. <laughs> you'd be super healthy, you'd feel really good. You'd be getting all kinds of awesome stuff um, happening from eating all that broccoli. But, you know, like after that, try to eat a chocolate piece of chocolate cake and you're probably, you know, gonna be able to eat a little bit, but less chocolate cake than you would have if you ate 500 calories of Oreos, which would be, let's see, three, Three Oreos are like 150 calories, I think. So six, um, nine, like around 10, 10 Oreos. You'd easily be able to eat a whole chocolate cake. <laughs> Ooh, that's a, that's a decent comparison. But you're mm -hmm. also speaking as somebody who has a husband who can cook, right? A vegan husband. Who yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And we both love to, we actually like fight over who gets to cook sometimes. Mm, yeah, it sounds like yeah. we you know, once we split you two up and send you to people who don't have a cooking spouse. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what the culinary care section is about. Like, I think that some people truly believe that you can either cook or you can't cook. 
and that like they just weren't blessed with that ability but cooking like everything is life is something that you can learn and improve and learn to love even if you hate it because in the end like i i cook most of my food because you know that allows me to control what's going in my body like when you go out to say a restaurant and i do go out to restaurants and eat things occasionally they put so much more you know oil and sugar and salt into things that like if you were making it yourself and making that recipe you'd be like okay no there's no way that they meant for me to put that much of this thing in there but it's what they do because there's a very specific <laughs> scientific amount of uh salt versus sugar versus fat that makes things addictive mm. <laughs> really delicious and so my job in culinary care and what I'll help you do is find ways to replicate those things and make them awesomely delicious, but avoiding all the things in that that you don't want. Like one of my favorite things is taking, um, I love potato chips. They're so delicious, but also so not good for you. <laughs> um, and I take chickpeas and season them and like say a little bit of salt and chili powder and onion powder and garlic powder and curry uh powder and then put them in the um air fryer for 12 minutes and they come out crispy on the outside and like creamy on the inside and like a delicious flavor or say you want it like if you really like ranch same thing but you actually put nutritional yeast garlic powder onion powder and some dried dill on them and they taste like super delicious and this is with no oil no oil nope huh they're so good i'll have to have you over whenever the pandemic is over and make you some oh, it boy. is just like and boy. then if i want more i don't feel the least bit guilty about opening it up another another can of chickpeas and cooking it and eating it because like we already established beans are awesome yeah yeah and you know i I want to do more roasted chickpeas and things, and I have this great confidence in my ability to cook mm -hmm. and more confidence in my ability to bake. I just need to get my life arranged in a way that I can do more of it, which is probably food prep on a weekend or something like that and really get things. You hit the nail right on the head. So humans do not have very good ability to make decisions whenever they're tired or hungry. So we do we cook all of our breakfasts uh, which are overnight oats usually on sunday and have it throughout the entire week and we make what we eat for lunch every single <clears throat> sunday and have it like throughout the week because say whenever i get home from work or you know from like exercising or doing something if i don't have something right then and there to eat it's a you know a lot easier to stop and get you know some subway or you know something else on the floor and once again subway is not like the devil it's not like it's bad <laughs> um i mean bread is probably a little more processed actually funny enough um i think in ireland they just decided that subway can't call their bread bread anymore because it has so much sugar in it that it's really more of like a cake <laughs> <laughs> um, but like getting that veggie delight 
and having some avocado put on it and like i really like the sweet onion um uh, like sauce on it i mean it's delicious and it's not like derailing my life or my diet or my health to like eat that every once in a while but if i know i have something delicious and awesome like wait and easy waiting at home because i did a little bit of prep work on the weekends then it's so much easier to make that choice to go home and eat what i already made yeah having I have to go home and then do a whole thing. Right, which is why I end up with cereal and popcorn a lot. Oh um, my God, you know what? Popcorn is super healthy if you air pop it. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Air pop popcorn is not the most delicious thing. It's super hard to get um, spices attached to it afterward. But right. we have a fun way. Like, we have a little spray bottle that has a mixture of balsamic vinegar and um, soy sauce in it and spray the top of the popcorn with it and then sprinkle spices over and, you know, move it all around and do the same thing. And it's so delicious. Yeah. I'm just melting earth balance. (laughs) (laughs) You can really hear the 2020 in my voice. I know, right? (laughs) It's coming up. But if I, if I had something prepped in my fridge, that was, I would, I would, I want, um, like little side salads and I want, um, little things prepped more than I want the popcorn or the cereal, but I just don't have it ready. So I end up with popcorn and cereal. So, (laughs) you know, I think, I think I'm like a teenager. That's exactly what's happening. I'm just rummaging and finding what's there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what everyone is like. Right. And that's why. It really is lifestyle changes and these like slow, small, incremental things that add up over time. You know, like nobody just is like today, oh, my God, I'm going to like eat only healthy things and then like sticks to it. It's like trial and error and, you know, understanding that like when you stumble and don't do necessarily exactly what you're supposed to do, that it's not all over and none of it was worth anything. And, you know, like you might as well just well you eat what you want now. Like, it's just like, but how do we get back on the wagon after we fall off and not beat yourself up about it and realize that, you know, like sometimes stuff like that happens and maybe you needed it at the moment for whatever reason. But um, I always find that when I fall off the wagon, I don't feel good. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, it was so delicious to eat that. But now do not feel the way that I want to feel. And then I think about that the next time that I really want to overeat my mom's cookies that she makes vegan for me. (laughs) Oh, you've got a mom baking and a husband cooking. This is wonderful. I know, you know, I'm just, I'm really lucky in a lot of ways. And I realize, you know, that privilege that I have to be, have the time and have the um, support to make all of these decisions. And that's the thing. I'm not the healthcare provider that's going to judge you or like give you a side eye and give you a lecture about things. Like I don't want it to ever be like, I'm up here and you're down here and you need to listen to me. I want to put us on the same level and learn from each other and understand each other and support each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like, no, it doesn't matter. So many times I, run into patients that like are not following their diet or, you know, not following their medications, even if they're on medications and then like start to do it like a few days before their appointment. Cause they're like worried about their provider. And that's just, maybe your blood pressure will be really good whenever you go see your provider, but it's not when you're not taking your medications. So that they're so afraid of them being unhappy with them or yelling at them or, you know, whatever. I don't really know. Um, 
because I would never yell or be disappointed in a patient. I'd be like, well, the process obviously isn't working, right? Like we got to come up with some way to like change that thing because people don't just like fail and like going back to weight, right? Like people don't just like fail and it's not, you know, oh, I, when I was doing these unsustainable things, you know, and then I stopped doing them and then I gained weight and like now it's my fault. It's like same thing with if you're not taking medication, if you're not following the things, something's going on in your life that we need to like address and fix before, you know, like I'd love for you to stop smoking and eat a whole food plant-based diet at the same time. But both of those things are stressful. And as much as I'd love for you to do both, um, you know, maybe we'll have to do one at a time and slowly. Yeah. And that's really good for someone to know about you because maybe they do put on a different face for their primary care. Mm-hmm. And it'd be nice to have someone to go to to be more comfortable with. You're so welcome. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for um, uh, seeing me. I guess I'll say, you know, like, if you go to my website and wanted some more information, there's tons of stuff there. You can look at the prices and the services we offer, you know, about what makes us special. Um, and then there's also a cool thing about, like, becoming a patient. Or I offer a three minute, or I'm sorry, 30 minute consultation. We'll um, video chat or meet in person or, you know, have a phone call and I can answer all of your questions and kind of explain what it's about more personalized than just the generic um, thing that I did here on the podcast. Nice. And I love the idea of a three minute consultation. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> no, that's what I'm trying to move away from. Sorry. <laughs> if you could do that, that'd be very impressive. But I would recommend that people go to your website just because um, it's pretty. It looks really nice. You know, I really love the design and the logo and the different um, clickables in the menu are actually like just really informative, each one of them, and has a lot of important information. A lot of people just have a standard website where you click on things and it kind of takes you around and doesn't tell you much, but yours is rich with information and pretty. So I would very much recommend that people check it out. So let's let's have you uh, say it one more time. Oh yeah, www.plantbasednp.com. And, and I'm actually glad to hear you say that because I made the website myself and I'm not a web designer. So I was like, I think it looks good, but hopefully other people aren't like, oh my God, this guy obviously made the website himself. So you just <laughs> confidence a lot. <laughs> well, uh, I, I didn't notice whatsoever. I, the logo is pretty brilliant. I looked at it for a while and there's a lot going on. But Martin <laughs> McCoy, thank you. Thank you for... Um, all the wisdom and for this talk and for having such a wonderful, wonderful service in Columbus. And um, I did read on your website that people can access it from, is, is it anywhere? Um, oh, so I, I see what you say. Um, I can take care of patients anywhere in the state of Ohio or who are present in the state of Ohio. So okay. say um, if you lived in Columbus, you can come see me in my office or we can do virtual visits. If you live in Cleveland, we can do virtual visits. Or if you wanted to come into Columbus sometime or just happen to be in town, we could meet. Um, or even if you lived on like in Kentucky, right across the way from Ohio, if you wanted to drive into the state of Ohio and sit in a parking lot and we can talk for a little while, as long as you're physically present in the state of Ohio, I can uh, take care of you. That sounds like a licensing issue. Yes, it is. <laughs> because there are listeners um, from all around, even the world. So I hope they're not too disappointed, but you know, when maybe when the pandemic lifts, they can 
check you out because we actually, Columbus has an amazing vegan scene. It does. I, I'm just floored. I'm, you know, because I've been around Columbus vegan for over 20 years now and it, it's just outstanding what's happening here. I mean, we have all vegan Ethiopian. We have, mm-hmm. you know, village taco. We have a whole vegan corridor on Parsons Avenue. Oh, yeah, I live uh, off Parsons, and it's just awesome. Oh, that would be a big problem for me, being that close. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> and, you know, Satan's Realm just opened um, in Clintonville, where I live, and that's, you know, like, basically roast beef sandwiches. Like, what They're the so delicious. Oh, I know. <laughs> Talk about, like, ooh, I was like, maybe I can ask and put more veggies on it next time. <laughs> but it was so amazing, you know, just because it's, like, straight up, Mm-hmm. you know awesome food like you used to have from a fast food place but now yeah. it's amazing vegan stuff so yeah if anybody wants to check out the columbus vegan scene we are just lit up with all kinds of stuff i will say if you were like just super interested and you liked what i had to say technically i could offer like health and wellness coaching to people not in ohio if it's illegal where you are so it wouldn't be personalized care or me ordering you know labs for you or like interpreting those labs stuff like that just more like general information and education about like what you know about lifestyle medicine and how to incorporate those things um you know, it would not be the same price as, you know, a thing. I haven't really worked it out. I was really planning on using it more for, like, patients who were, like, really interested but had, like, no excess cash and giving them maybe even those um, things for free in a group setting. So I haven't exactly worked that. But, like, you can still reach out to me even if you don't live in Ohio, and we can figure out something. That sounds great. And um, I really appreciate your time, and I do hope to see you when – we start leaving our houses more often. Yeah, right. Oh, just so you know, I got my first COVID-19 vaccine um, on uh, Christmas Eve. So I'll be very safe to see even in person in the nearest future. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. And, you know, I know people have mixed feelings about that, especially in the vegan community. But um, I'll be getting vaccinated when the opportunity comes. And since I'm I'm in education, so... Um, and I have contact with students. So, you know, maybe this spring I will also be vaccinated. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so, too. Well, thank you so much for this, Marty Malloy McCoy. And um, I hope to talk to you again soon. And I just really appreciate all the wisdom and I appreciate the resources. No problem. I know I kind of like tried to... Um gloss over everything and probably went on a few too many tangents. Uh, But if you ever wanted to uh, talk again or have another thing, I'm happy to talk with you anytime. We're all about tangents. I don't. (laughs) Good, because all I do is go off on tangents. So (laughs) we're going to go on great. It wouldn't be a podcast without the tangents. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's the good stuff. All right. Well, um, thank you so much. And yeah, I'm sure we'll have you back. All right. That sounds great. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you learned a lot from Marty and got really excited about his new project. And maybe you're even thinking of bringing something like that to where you are. And if that happens, definitely let me know. Um, find me on Instagram, Facebook, and veganfamincowtown at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. We're living life to the power of V.